Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no South Hi Nick, John Rankin here, just ringing in with the post, post-match post report from Stoke City. Yeah, we went up there and um, and watched the game. It was a lovely sunny day, but unfortunately there was a sense of foreboding that I actually felt um, as soon as the game kicked off really. Millwall looked a little bit off the pace. They flattered Stoke. Um, I'm not making excuses, but... I think we just threw the game away, really, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, Stoke scored with a free header, and I didn't even bother watching it because they were they were putting pressure on us, they were putting balls in the box, and it was just a sense of inevitability that they would score, actually. And then, you know, we tried to throw our way back in, but we weren't winning the second ball in the middle of the park. Um, we looked absolutely out on our feet, to be honest with you. We've been punching above our weight for so long, I think this was the day when the uh, the effort, you know, got on top of us really. So all in all, um, if if you um, give away an own goal, which George Savile did, and miss a penalty, which Jed Wallace did, you're going to struggle to come away with anything from the game, and we didn't. So what I would say, I think it was not so much a physical um, problem with our players. They look mentally um, a bit out of sorts. We were very close to the players as they came on and off uh, the pitch because the players coming in the corner um, at Stoke. And, I mean, when Jed Wallace walked off the pitch, he was virtually in tears. Um, I was, you know, 10 yards away from him and he didn't want to look at any of the supporters. He was Gary Rowett came up and sort of patted him on the head and put his arm around him. And uh, he, he was, he, to me, he looked like he was close to tears. Good morning, Nick. Um, this is a venerable bead. I thought I'd get on to you. You may have heard of me from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles. I'm sure it's somewhere in your reading list. And I just want to say rules is rules, mate. We always kick to the CBL in the second half. And we always allow a good run of results for the club to look like we're heading for the playoffs. And then we get the fans excited. And then... As in the rules of all uh, venerable bead, we blow up the oaks and we've got to do it. It's not allowed uh, that Millwall can, can keep going on and get on the route train without 
stumbling along at the end. Okay, mate, I just wanted to let you know, you know it's in the rules, and they're all in there. Oh, well, bless you, Nick, and all at Acton Millwall. This is a venerable bead, signing off. Catch you later. Good luck, Millwall. Up the Lions. Bye-bye. Achtung, Millwall. Huge thank you to John Rankin and to the venerable bead, no less, for those two voicemails. Joining me on the show now is a rugby journalist, Millwall fan, show regular, indie music aficionado, uh, journal with a rugby paper. Uh, it's Mr. Neil Fissler. How are you doing, Neil? Yeah, not too bad, Nick. Not too bad. I hope I live up to that billing. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first things I was ever told, listeners, when I first passed my driving test way back in the early 80s is, Nick, don't let your petrol tank ever run out because you get all sorts of grit in your engine when you get down to a flat uh, flat tank. And I think, Neil, Wednesday night was Millwall rather running down its petrol tank to empty and getting a bit of grit in its engine because yesterday's um, 2-0 loss at Stoke was... Um, at, at, we looked very tired and, and very flat there, I felt, yesterday. Mate, I think we have to be... Uh... I think we have to be honest about it. This run was always going to run. It was always going to run its course and come to an end. Yeah, it wasn't going to carry on forever. And uh, I think you're right. No. I think I think he's had the same 13, 14 players to pick from for the last what month, month and a half. Easy, and yeah. Absolutely shattered. So you can't, you know, you can't argue with it. it. Yeah, well, it is what it is. You've just got to be thankful that we had that brilliant run and that we've all gone back to enjoying watching Millwall again. Yeah, which is a big achievement because the season was, um, as we've said a few times, you and me and, and the other boys, I mean, the, the season was drifting rather and suddenly we've got interest. I, I think we still have interest in the season because we're going into a very welcome international break now, a chance for some rest and recuperation. Um, yesterday's game was notable for the return of uh, Tom Bradshaw, Shay Ojo. Uh, Bradshaw in particular, um, I mean, they're all rusty, Neil, but I thought he obviously worked a penalty that um, didn't go our way. But it, it's just really, um, we're into an eight-game end-of-season tournament, in effect, now, aren't we? And we've got the turning resources. And I think that's not a bad position for a club like Mill to find itself in after such a, such a strange season in many respects. Mate, I think first of all, I think we need to acknowledge that we that it's just sod's law with Millwall that a player has run into some very good form recently, Benik Afobi, but yeah. he just happened to be on loan from the club that we were playing. <laughs> loan tied. tied. I don't know if that's an expression, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but it is good to see these lads coming back on the bench. The bench looked as strong as it's looked for. A long time, really, isn't it? And I think you're right. I think, yeah, but it's great these players coming back. The international break now gives them a chance, or the players that have been playing, a chance to chill out for a week. So, uh, more importantly, to get some miles in the legs of those players that are coming back. So they can either, I don't know what they'll do, there's probably an under-23 game. So you'd quite like to see them get a decent run out for the under-23s, wouldn't you? Or a behind-closed-doors friendly, something like that. And uh, then we come back firing uh, in, what, 10 days to two weeks' time? 
Yeah, the, the away game at Luton, which looks like a huge, huge fixture on the agenda. Um, I mean, just to dwell on yesterday, there, there isn't a huge amounts to report, listeners, in, in truth. I, th- I think we can probably summarise it, Neil. I hope you'll agree that the, the, the team just looked looked at sixes and sevens. I mean, we, we just looked tired, leggy. Um, nothing worked yesterday. Basics were, were got wrong, which is always a sign when you're tired, you start to fail at the basics. I mean, the, the first goal was um, a, a bread and butter ball into the box that normally Jake Cooper or if he were fit, um, Sean Hutchinson and Dan Ballard would deal with every day of the week and it wasn't dealt with. Um, and it was a sloppy goal, but it, it was just indicative of the whole team's um, lack of energy yesterday, I felt. Yeah, I think it was back to, you know, as you said, it was definitely a lack of energy. And I think a couple of weeks ago, we probably wouldn't have conceded no. either of those goals because the second goal was... An absolute mustard head from uh, yeah from George Savile, wasn't it? I thought George, they kept saying Murray Wallace on my commentary, but it was George Savile that I thought put in. It was a brilliantly executed goal. <laughs> yeah, but that guy was senile. Yeah, but that guy was senile on BBC Stoke, wasn't he? I've expected Stanley Matthews to be running down with him at one stage. Fucking hell. Well, it wasn't far short of it. They, they dug out Mike Pedic. I mean, I do remember from the 1972. League Cup final, but I thought really, you're, you know, if, if that's your kind of celebrity pundit, then um, you're, you're, you're right. Stanley Matthews is the next logical move if, if he was still alive. God, God rest his soul. Yeah, um, but didn't you have Conor Mahoney playing at one stage? And <laughs> they were just random names in the end. Um, yeah, they were the own goal specialist, Murray Wallace. Has he scored an own goal before? <laughs> No, <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> it was yeah, there's not much own... difference between Murray Wallace and George Savile, is there? Only about a foot. <laughs> I mean, one's gonna... got light, light hair and the other's got darker hair, isn't it? I know. Uh, I mean, it was. It was. It was. I mean, this is what you get when you tune into um, the away team stream, listeners. But they describe Murray Wallace as the own goal specialist. So I always think you've got to have at least well, more than one to be to be claiming any any kind of specialism. Um, and you know he's been one of our standout players. Um, I mean that they all have Neil. I mean when you go from that performance on on Wednesday night, which was immense. Um, you know players don't become bad players overnight. They just they just ran out of um, they ran out of petrol. I think I go back to my. 1970s that's uh, and 120 that I had, and when it ran out of petrol, and it got grit in the engine, and that's what happened to us yesterday. It was, uh, you know, uh, an enforced change up front. I thought Bury looked, um, he's not looked at his, at his strongest in recent games. So I think he's got a lot to learn still. I mean, he's only a youngster, and he's, he's clearly got the ingredients, but it's a big ask to lead the line in a, in a championship level fixture. I just think he looked a little bit light yesterday to me. Mate, I think ideally they wouldn't have recalled him from uh, Hartlepool. I think you're right. Yeah, I think the plan was a bit like Alafe, is it the lad at Sutton? Yeah, yeah. That they would just leave him there for the season. He'd get a hatful of goals and a hatful of assists, which I think he was well on his way to doing. Yeah, he's got a lot to learn. It's like yeah, it's like young Lovelace on the bench. Yeah. he's okay, but. Again, he's got a lot to learn, so you've got to you've got to temper that. Really, it's we, we, we you know it's very Millwall, isn't it? We we get carried away with um, the the rush of the of the cup run, which is effectively what we've had these this uh, series of um, was it nine games, um, eight games, eight games unbeaten, wasn't it? Yeah, unbeaten. Like 
and we get carried away with it. But uh, and it's great to see youngsters taking the field. But you know, there's there's a lot to learn. I mean, the, the physicality of the championship. This was a fairly average Stoke side yesterday, but they 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 brought their 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 A game. They're, they're under Michael O'Neill, I think, is a good manager. He's not had a great season. But they all know their stuff and they know their way around. I think uh, Phil Jagielka was, was um, they, they mentioned him playing for Stoke. So you're up against serious pros, and it's it's and a Stephen Fletcher came off the bench, a Scottish international, and uh... well, there, yeah. So you know, it's a measure, isn't it? It's a measure of the league that we're in. Um, and even when we, you know, we, we worked that late penalty, and I think um, Bradshaw did well to to earn the penalty. Um, he, he looked rusty, but. Um, you know, good enough to to um, to know when to fall over <laughs> in the penalty area, <laughs> <laughs> and the referee appointed to the spot. But I mean, it was a bit honest. soft, wasn't it? Let's face oh, it. Yeah, well, yeah. if it had been given down the other end, we'd have, yeah, we'd have been on Twitter and Hoff and things like that, <laughs> calling the referee all kinds of things. <laughs> We so would, um, and you, you know, you're, off, but you take them. You take it because you, you have to take your luck. But it did feel a bit like we've been handed, um, you know, a birthday cake when it wasn't their birthday or something. Um, and it was a poor penalty. I, I thought that was a tired-looking shot from Jed. It was, it was pretty much a central, just slightly off centre, wasn't it? And the goalkeeper went down well to get get some. They were making it out to be like um, Gordon Banks's save in 1970 on on Radio Stoke, but. You know, um, I thought it was actually a pretty mundane penalty by Jed's standards. So, you know, summarise the It was. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, it was a poor penalty. Yeah, but it was a poor penalty to win. Yeah. And it was also a poorly paid, taken penalty. But really, I think if it had gone in, you might have seen a snick. Yeah, I, I, we, we looked, we, looked, we found anything. That end and snuck an in, you have an equaliser because that kind of thing gives you a boost, doesn't it? It lifts you. And, uh, oh, Joe. oh, John Bradshaw in, looking looking hungry. And, you know, it could have been still possible. I, I think in the end, we've got to take our medicine on this one, Neil, because definitely didn't, didn't deserve it. And I think also a sense of perspective. I mean, social media is um, an interesting thing. <laughs> Not sure it's always the best invention that the human race has ever, ever come up with. But some of the knee-jerk reactions that you see on there, I, I, I don't know if they're ironic or ironically meant or if people do live their life around this kind of you know lurch from being one minute we're world beaters on Wednesday and then three days later we are um, you know sat round and bring in um, I don't know who we're going to bring in um, I mean I, I think we're at the break and that's a good thing and I think that uh, the club's done very well to turn the season around I think we probably do need um, the, the rest and we're bringing back some players. And then obviously at the end of the season, we'll review where we are. There's a lot of players out of contract in the summertime. And I wonder what the, what the you know, the squad will look very different come next August, whatever becomes of us, Neil, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think so. And yeah, well, who knows if the manager will stick around. I know that he's been linked with jobs elsewhere and his stock's risen in the last few weeks again, hasn't yes, it? Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Yeah. It's an interesting question, actually, isn't it? Um, With you know, us, he... well, I hope he does because I still think that. Yeah, well, I know we criticise him, but then again, you have opinions like ourselves. Everybody's got one, haven't they? Really? <laughs> yeah. I, th- yeah. I thought um, it was one of the questions I wanted to 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 raise because obviously it's been kicked around all season, and, and, and it's as much Gary Rowett's decision as it is Millwall Football Club. I think Millwall will be keen to keep him because. I thought on Wednesday we saw the potential of the side when it plays at its absolute maximum. And it was a magnificent performance on Wednesday night. I don't think we should, um, you know, today it feels a bit flat because 
of uh, the result yesterday and the performance. But that was a performance of the season um, on Wednesday night. And it just gave, gave me a sense of what could be achieved if if Rowett brings in the players that he likes and wants to wants to um, work with next season. It gave you a little bit of a glimpse of something there, Neil. Yeah, it was a magnificent performance, wasn't it? Magnificent all-round performance. I can't, yeah, I can't remember much about it now, unfortunately, because we're about four days later, and I've watched about four games since then. football, but it, it, there's something there. There's yeah, there's definitely something there, and uh, if he can build upon it, I think we're better off with him than we are without him. Because I can't see us getting a manager of that ilk and standing. I no. think we've put the question before, haven't we? I but, think you're right. Yeah. But we shouldn't turn this into is this the end for him because yeah well that's just yeah well that's just rejoicing the fact that we've got him here. And uh yeah we are gonna get the ump because he does have his set formation and we are a four four two club, aren't we? <laughs> Let's find it. Yeah but everybody I think looks for a scapegoat, don't they? And the managers generally the first thing that people look at and, and look to criticise. I, I furiously mute people online, listeners. Um, there was one opinion yesterday about Jed Wallace missing a penalty and something about how he wants away at the, at the end of the season, so no wonder he missed the penalty. This, if this is how people's minds seriously work, I just press the mute button <laughs> on, on that person. And then I don't have to be in trouble with their views and opinions ever, ever again. But one... One opinion I do like is uh, Kevin Fuller. He's talking about the the Luton Town game, um, which he, I, I thought looks huge. A season decider, and Kevin says this is a test. It's magnificent. We've gone on a great run, but the true test of a great team is to bounce back from defeat and start a run again. Um, all of the Mill promotion sides of the past have bounced back from a single defeat, and now it's a six pointer at, uh, at Kenilworth Road. And it's a great point because really, I think if we can get something at Luton, then it's game back on again. Whereas I think if we struggle there, Neil, it just starts to feel like the uh, the end of season uh, tournament is starting to slip away from us a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you see it that way. I think, in some ways, I think the team would probably quite like to play next week. But I think in yeah, in other ways, they'll be quite glad to have the break. So so will that work against us? Luton have, yeah, another team a bit like us. They've... Uh, They've exceeded most expectations of their season, haven't they? I Absolutely, think, third. If, yeah, third in the season. Yeah. yeah, but if you have a look at the table, there's teams below us and them that you would expect to be up there, the likes of Swansea and teams like that, teams that throw an awful lot of money at it. So this is a good test. They're a similar size club to us. Yeah. Similar ambition, I suppose, to stay in the championship. Yeah, and they're enjoying the, 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 the run. I mean, the third in the same. I was yeah. looking at the tables as we speak. Um, I was looking at the, the fixtures. I mean, I, I, I always go for this reverse mill psychology, Neil. I never know whether a so-called easy run in, and we seem to have some fixtures that you would expect us to win. We almost thrive on the on the unexpected, don't we? We want the big teams rather than the, the Peterboroughs and the uh, the Swansea's and, and, and the rest, you know. Um, it's this Millwall mentality that give us the big time and we'll rise to the occasion, give us a, a so-called easier opponent and we'll we'll, we'll fall over, you know. Um, yeah, I think we've got Barnsley in amongst that lot and that's a Aaron team that's yeah. quite some time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, Sheffield United's running doesn't look easy. There's one or two big, you know, top six fixtures. Blackburn, I think, the same. 
so it's it's there in front of us if we can um, if we can muster up something at Luton, the season's still alive. And I think to to be to be able to say that as we go into April is is a magnificent achievement. So I do want to take my hat off to um, Gary Rowett and the squad for what they've achieved this season. Who knows what what may yet come out of it. Um, Neil, I wanted to close us, if I may, mate. Um, I was I was very sad to see the passing of Paul Jiggins. There was a really nice obituary on uh, the club website um, covering Jigo, um, who was a person I, I only met him a couple of times, and he was a great help to us when we did the um, you know the Lewisham battle. Um, he, he was able to get us some coverage in the Sun, which was massive, massive. It got us onto a level that you know um, we we. <laughs> We may have struggled to have achieved it otherwise. Um, and I met him the other uh, month when I did the interview for, for Wall Talk. Um, I don't know if you knew him yourself, Neil. I mean, obviously, you're in, you're in the, the, the journalism game yourself. Um, and he was, he was a Sun journalist. But it's, it's a much... It's a, it's a, it's a profession that is... It's one of those professions that looks easy. Sun-level sun journalism looks easy. It's really, really difficult to do well. Would you agree with that as a, as a journal yourself? Yes. Uh, I didn't... I. I knew Paul on nodding terms, really. I think the first time I met him was, I think we were both covering uh, Thurrock against Luton in an FA Cup tie. Uh, That would have been, what, 2002, 2003. I think he was working for a health authority at the time uh, in PR or something. I could be wrong, but just the... Just the esteem that he's been held in and yeah, the things yeah. people have said about him says an awful lot about him as a person. Writing for The Sun is not easy. And uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with, Phil Thomas, paid tribute to Paul and his abilities to write an opening paragraph, yeah. which is the hardest thing to do in journalism without a shadow of a doubt because you've got 30 words to grab somebody's attention and that's that's, that's your hard. hook that's your hook isn't it you've got to get yep. to get your reader your, yeah your first two or three paragraphs are absolutely crucial and he was a master at it uh i'm not <laughs> I, do up, I do come up with the occasional one that's quite good i suppose but uh it, it was just a massive shock. He's somebody that you know and that you're on nodding terms with. You see it yeah. again. You go, hello, Jigo. We go, all right, mate, and yeah, and whatever else. But he was younger than me, Nick. I'm 53. Yeah, and he's died at 50. It's no age at all. It just, I just sat for the afternoon in a sense of bewilderment, not because he was a close friend, but because he's somebody that obviously I knew of. And it was a lot younger than me, a few years I th- younger than me. I, th- I think it it's there. I think your own mortality. <laughs> well, it does. It does. I mean, as, as listeners will know, I mean, it, it, it puts your own situation through um, a prism because, you know, it's not, not even a year since I was nearly in the same position. Nearly. And there's my luck because uh, Paul was not lucky. Um I was, and you know, it's it's life can be the toss of a coin sometimes. I'm not sure what lessons you can draw from it, Neil, because it, you know you, we we all know the right things to do in this life, and we all know the wrong things to do. And you make your decisions as a grown person, and that's that's your choice in the end. And even then, you can do all the right things, and still something will happen to you. So you know, there it is. I'm not going to 
not going to preach, but it, I think it does, it, it shocked me, it stunned me slightly because I read the, the obituary on the club website and then I reread it because I wasn't sure that I'd read it correctly the first time. And somehow when you see a person's name who I knew, I knew Paul in, in passing, like yourself, I had had some contact with him in 2017 and then more recently when I met him again to do the interview. He's a, he's a Millwall character, you know, he's, he's everyone that listens to the show. He's, he's got that, he had that um, life, you know, he, everything was a joke and everything was a, a witty one line. And I think you're right. I think that he's one of the things I've really picked up on the, the tributes online is how many, many people from a range of, of publications too, not just your, you know, the obvious places, but from, from um, many, many different walks of journalism, have paid tribute to him. And it is a, it does feel like a loss, doesn't it? It's um, one of those situations where um, a person who is well-known goes. It feels like, a, I don't know, one of the foundations has slipped somehow in, in life. And um, very, very sad news. Um, Mate, the so one that struck me was actually Maurizio Pochettino. Yeah. Uh, I read that on The Sun online. And trust me, getting to know a football manager in this day and age, even a rugby coach, is yeah. very, very, very difficult because they've got so many layers of protection. When I started out in the old days, you could phone up the manager of various clubs or the club secretary, or you went up to a training ground on a Friday. Yeah. I can remember being sent to Tottenham on a Friday and uh, after you spoke to Terry Venables in a very uh, informal surrounding, just after he got off the training pitch, the players were open if you wanted to speak to Gazza or Gary Lineker and people like that. And if they wanted to talk to you, they would. Yeah. But, now, but now they're surrounded by all these different levels of protection and... Uh, press officers and agents and um, various other media relations people to see that kind of tribute from from a person of that standing was you thought it's quite something special here and actually the players at Millwall I, I saw two or three tweets I saw that yeah. I think I think that Jed Wallace was one uh, Danny McNamara, or am I speaking out of turn with that? I, I didn't see Danny Mac, I saw Jed's. Um, I have no doubt because one thing that really struck me, Neil, um, and you'll know the, the, the sports journalism world, but I've never worked in it. Um, but uh, the, one of the things, the traits that really came over, which you may not have been aware of, with Jigo had a kind of a character that was big, you know, the, in the Mill style. But many, many people spoke of his kindness and, and take, helping them in when they're newly in the, in the room. And that can't be an easy situation. I've never been in that situation, but I do know it must be an intimidating place to find yourself when you've got some big names around you. And Jigs would go out of his way just to help where he could, younger, younger journalists. I think that, that speaks volumes to a person. Yeah, uh, it's not an easy place, sir. Uh... I think when I was when I first went into a rugby pr uh, press room, I think they didn't speak to me for four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure. was that was that oh, better? Or, was that better or worse? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure if it says anything about me as a person, but 
<laughs> I think I joined the Rugby Union Writers Club, and then all of a sudden, people actually remembered my name <laughs> and things like that. But and people that didn't previously spoke to you ended up becoming very good friends. You actually spoke to them, and you realised that you had things in common. Uh, somebody who didn't really speak to me at first. We both found out that we both supported Middlesex. Right, that, well, there we are. There's, there's a link. That's, it's fine. Yeah. So it's finding it, these links, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a very cutthroat dog eat dog world journalism because obviously you want to try and get the stories before the opposition. Mm. Uh, so for somebody to go out of their way and to show you around and to show you the ropes and to show you that kindness speaks volumes. Absolutely. Of, of the person that Jigo was and uh I think he was real wall, as they say now, wasn't he? Absolutely. Um, I think he came from a mill-supporting family, came out of Stepney. His dad was a, a, a mill character, apparently. I didn't know him. Um, and I got to know Paul a little, a little. But his his, his legacy will live on. I, I think the club are renaming the um, the press lounge, the Paul Jiggins lounge, which I think is a nice touch. And um, I think it might have made him laugh, actually. I think they probably would have found some amusement in that from what I know of him. But uh, R.I.P. Paul Jiggins. Um, I'm going to play out now, listeners, with a couple of voicemails that Harry and Mike Hayden have sent me. Um, big thank you to Neil for taking time out your Sunday morning, mate. I appreciate it. Short notice one today, but I do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all, Nick. Always a pleasure. And we're going to switch over now to Harry and to Mike Hayden. So thank you for listening, dear listeners. We're going to take a little bit of a break now till after the uh, the Luton game, and we'll be back to see where we stand in the season at that stage. So until then, thank you for listening. Thanks from Neil, and bye for now. Achtung, Mailball. Mike Hayden here, just providing a few thoughts of mine uh, heading into the international break. Well, uh, an unfortunate result and performance at Stoke, uh, 2-0 loss and a missed penalty by Jed Wallace. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see the game. But heard it was a it was a poor performance from Millwall. But you know you got to put it into context. It was always going to happen at some stage that we were going to have a poor performance like that. I think especially that, that we clearly put so much heart and soul into that performance against Huddersfield, um, one of the best performances um, this season, if not the best, and maybe the best under Gary Rowett's tenure. You know, by having to then lose goal scorer Fobe, obviously he was um, lone tied, uh, couldn't play against Stoke. And essentially the same sort of 11. Um, eventually they're going to run out of legs, especially we've had, you know, four games in two weeks um, with the squad limitations. You know, it. I can kind of excuse yesterday. I know it was disappointing because we're well on the uh, Rowett train at the moment. But look, it... it, it, it it was going to happen at some stage. We've got to be realistic. The international break, I think, comes at a good time. You know, we're four points off the playoffs. You know, it was great to see if there were any positives um, on Saturday was that Bradshaw and Keefton Bell came back in. Obviously, Bradshaw showing some of his best form in a lion shirt before the injury. And Keefton Bell, I thought his performances were very impressive before he got injured. You know, we've got Ojo back on the bench as well. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to refresh, get some um, sort of fire back in the legs, get some energy back. And we go again after the international break uh, and try and get that final push. 
Um, I don't think anyone expected us to go on this um, you know, eight-game unbeaten run, which included six wins. You know, it's not one of those rowet unbeaten runs where 90% are draws. There were six wins in there. Um, and you've got to give massive credit to Gary Rowett and the players and the effort that they've showed. Um, I think it just worked because we got ourselves into a position in the league where it was kind of like, you know, we're not expected to finish in the top six now. And just taking that pressure off the players, it's funny what the brain can do to you, isn't it? Well, we've got nothing to lose. We might as well see what happens. And 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 then we go on, obviously, a fantastic run of form and give ourselves a chance again. But look, well, I think we've still got to go into that approach of having low expectations because it's just working. You know, let's just see if we can do it, you know. I think the, the the way that we've played over the last few games shows us how good this Millwall side can be. Um, so let's let's have a push. If we just miss out, I think we've got to say what an effort it's been uh, for Millwall. Um, so that's just some thoughts. Um, you're really excited to get get back down the den after the international break with some players back. You know, and let's let's see what we can do. I'm looking forward and I'm enjoying the ride. Come on, you lions. So. Harry Warren here um, with my international break, the last international break before the end of the season review. Um, for me, the running, um, I will address first. Obviously, I didn't see Stoke, the Stoke game yesterday. Um, I didn't go up there. Fair play to the near on a thousand of you that did. Um, and the run out to come to an end some time um it is a disappointment however that it come to a end against stoke yesterday um i think if we're honest they're you know the team were out on their feet it was a fantastic performance against huddersfield to then um perform the way that we did um poorly for all accounts at stoke to lose was not great but probably the build-up of sort of the last five or six games just just caught up with us. Um, but the running is favourable to other teams. Everyone's got to play everyone in that sort of top, you know, take the top two out of it or don't really take the top two out of it. Take Fulham out of it and then probably, what, down to 10th, 11th. So there's a good 10 teams in that. So over the next nine, eight, nine games, there's going to be eight for some, nine for some, 10 for some. Um, as the championship hasn't got uh, people have got games in hand including ourselves over some of the teams in front of us so I think we're four points behind Blackburn for instance and this is off memory so it might be less than that or it might be more but I think with a win we'd go a point behind them so there, there's stuff like that um, obviously others can say the same Forest I know have got the most games in hand um, but do you want games in hand at this stage of the season or do you want points on the ball guaranteed bricks and mortar almost um, I think you'd rather have the points, if I'm honest, um, just because of the accumulation of games. Um, but really, we still do have a realistic chance of the top six. And, you know, by hook or by crook, we're in it. Um, I think Gary Rowett's comments at on Sky Television the other night um, after the Huddersfield win were, in, were interesting um in where he said that for the last couple of years we've been a good side and we've been you know eighth ninth and tenth um just missing out on the playoffs now that is true however i feel like um we haven't really gone forward i think we have gone forward in terms of results recently but realistically 
I don't think we've made the steps that I thought we would. That's being honest. Maybe I asked too much. I think the squad, with the amount of injuries that it's had, has done remarkably well, however. Um, but there is, you know, there's question marks about members of the squad. I think the squad that's playing at the moment is playing to the top of its ability. And just because players come back fit doesn't mean necessarily they're better than what we've already got. The players that we've got are knackered, but they've played very, very well. And it's difficult to see how you can justify it. I don't know. Um, I'm going to pick on a player because, you know, what's more Millwall than picking on one particular player? Um, let's say, for instance, that Hutchinson is fit when we return from the international break. Does Hutchinson walk back into the squad over Ballard, Cooper, Murray Wallace? On, you know, on I didn't see yesterday, so I don't know if they made a rip for the goal, but I'd argue none. Um, but, you know, Gary Rowe will make his own decisions. This is the, this is the thing, is that, you know, the, the fact that we've had no players has almost made us have less pressure, which has made us play better. In, in a weird way, um, you know, the the yin and yang of Millwall. If you if you think that we're out of it, we win. If you think that we're dead certs, we lose. That has always been the Millwall bipolar, shall we say. And, you know, um, I, I think that will continue. I don't necessarily agree with the idea that Luton Town away looks like a seasoned decider. I think if you go there and don't get beat, you'll still be in it. I think there's other teams to pick off rather than Luton. I don't think Huddersfield are in great form after losing again yesterday. I don't think after they were, but to lose two games back to back obviously drags them closer to the pack. There's other people, um, there's other people, other teams that are themselves um, in a bit of free fall QPR. As I mentioned, this were 1 0 up against Peterborough and were 1 1 the last thing that I heard, so that might be worse. Um, but again, we will we will see in the short to medium term of what we all do. Whatever happens now, this is the problem. I feel if we were not to be in the running, you know, in two or three games time, would by the time the season ends, your feelings have changed in what we need in the summer? Um, because I don't think we need much. I think, yes, there are certain, there are certain things we lack. Um, but the problem is, is what we've got now is very, very good. The problem is, is that we're going to lose a key player in Jed. Um, so we will have to rebuild in the summer, regardless whether we want to or not. Um, which is unfortunate, because I don't think, believe it or not, I think that we're as close to getting in the top six as we've ever been. And, you know, we're probably two or three players short. We've said this before. We won't get those two or three players in the summer, or haven't traditionally, and we'll go back to being tenth or eleventh place in this sort of in this incarnation of Millwall in the Championship. And you've got to worry about cycles. We tend to do five or six seasons in the Championship before being relegated, um, before having sort of two or three years in League One to rebuild and go again. Um, which hopefully touch with the club have learnt from this time and don't seem to be falling into those trapes. Um, so yeah, the future looks good. Um, mid like end of season last term report. Millwall got a chance to do something special. All we need is a fighting chance ever. Let's hope we go away and end the season in the way that we want. 
I think this is the weird thing. I think it's hard to get in the playoffs, which will be my last point. I think it's very hard to get into the playoffs. But if we do get in the playoffs, I think we win them. And I and I mean this. I think if you get into the playoffs and you get in on the last day, it only matters on the last day. I couldn't care if we're seventh, eighth or ninth until, you know, half past five on that Sunday when we play Bournemouth. Um if we win that game and we end up in the playoffs as sixth place side and we have to play Huddersfield, I don't fear them, you know. And the others what, Luton and QPR maybe, or maybe Forest and QPR, or maybe Forest and Luton. If any of the others, there's been no one that's blown you away other than really Fulham. So, you know, we've got a fighting chance. If we end up in the playoffs, I fancy us, mainly because you know what the dim will be like. So we've almost won before. I know we've got to go out and do it, but I feel like we'd almost have won before we kick a ball. Um, and Gary Rowett's sort of pragmatic approach away from home suits the playoffs. So, you know... Then it's a one-off game at Wembley, and I do believe we are better set up in the way in the system that we play now to go to Wembley and win. We play a wide system that relies on the full-backs getting wide out the five and using the space. And I think we've got players now that you know would love the space of that Wembley pitch. Now I am talking a long way away. We've got to get there first, and I think that's the hard bit. Um, but I think if we did get into the playoffs, we will win them. But the hard bit is to get in them first. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. But anyway, come on, you Lions. Um, let's hope for a magical, memorable end to the season after two years of COVID football. Wouldn't it be nice to see Millwall in the playoffs for the first time in this division since, what, 2001, 2002? So a good 20 years ago. So, Arriva Dirty Millwall. Thank you for listening to Aspen Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. A river dirty Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.